0: <laughs> this morning, if you'd turn, we have a beautiful section of Scripture ahead of us. It's all good. Sometimes you get you know, you know, get into the, what we call those favorite passages, those places where it just seems like the Word comes alive to us. And for me, this is one of them. And we'll be starting a multi-part series here on Running to Win. If you turn to the third chapter here in the book of Philippians, this little letter, we're getting close to finishing it up. We've got a chapter and a half or so left. Um, but this is this is the meat uh, of Philippians, as far as as far as I am concerned. And I want to turn our attention back. It's been a couple of weeks. We did a Palm Sunday message and an Easter Sunday message, and so uh, to bring us back to that place, because remember that we take Scripture in context, right? We want to make sure that we're reading it correctly, and so we want to take a little journey backwards before we begin in verse nine to verse seven, because this is so important for us to grasp what. Scripture is actually saying to us in these words. Because the apostle has already made a statement, the Holy Spirit speaking to us. He's reminded us there's nothing in this world that we should hold dear above and beyond our relationship with the lord jesus christ and so he says it this way in verse seven in philippians chapter three but what things were gained to me in other words the things in my life that i would look at and i would put them remember he was using accounting terms at that time those things that would be in the plus column they'd be in the profit column those things that were gained to me profit to me these i've counted loss for christ I'd gladly take all the wonderful things that are in my life that the Lord's given me. They're good, they're wonderful things, but I would give them all up for Jesus. All brothers and sisters, how that needs to be true for each one of us today. And verse 8, he would go on to say, And yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. And then he picks up this next thought. He says, look, you need to do your accounting correctly, but you need to do your athletics correctly too. you got to really put this now into practice. Because it's one thing to know something intellectual. It's one thing to know something from a a learning it, in essence, from a principle. It's another thing to put it to practice. It's another thing to begin to use it and test it and to see how it works out in real life. See, that's where the problem comes for us as the body of Christ, isn't it? We, we know things with our minds, but doing them, that's the tough part. That's why the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 writes those words, those things which I will to do, those things I do not do, and those very things which I will not to do, well, that's what I kind of get doing. You see, that's the struggle for us. It's actually doing what God's called us to do. And so he's going to help us now to learn to run to win. And so he picks up, and let's read these next three verses, and then we'll pray. And to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, praise God, that righteousness we have, it's Jesus' righteousness, amen? My righteousness is still, always will be, as filthy rags. What I've got to offer God isn't much. It's just my life, a living sacrifice, but the righteousness I have, yet all came from Jesus. It's all him. You see, my own righteousness could have come from the law. Paul's talking about his own life. He's, I, he's already told us, man, I, faultless as a Jew. I lived my life in a way that when people looked at me, they would have said, man, hey, he's, just, he's just super at keeping the law. But that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. By faith, not works. By the works of the flesh is no one justified. You see, our, our lives are born out in what we do with what we know. Not in what we say, but in what we do. How we act. Will we put it to practice? that I may know him. And he uses the word there, uh, And he speaks to us in a, in a wonderful way. It's, it's knowledge by experience. It's that which we've said before. It's one thing to grab a tour guide. It's one thing to get a book about a place. It's another thing to go there and touch it and feel it and see it and experience it and, and smell the smells and s- just go through everything. It becomes part of who you are to experience Christ. I want to know Him at that level. I don't want to know about Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to experience Jesus. And the fellowship of His sufferings. To so you know what it's like to walk in Christ's shoes, in essence, a little bit. It wasn't easy for Jesus. We celebrated that last week, didn't we? It cost him his life. He took a beating for you and for me. That's the message of the cross. That's what happened Easter week. He came to a funky parade on Palm Sunday. Spent the week with a bunch of guys who basically didn't know who he was after spending three years with him. To end up in Pilate's court to be tried six times illegally. Finally put to death. And then when he was raised, Peter and John run down to the tomb the ladies have already been there, and Jesus has to kind of show himself all over again to them. You see the power of that resurrection Sunday and the fellowship of the sufferings to be conformed to his death. You see, for you to live, you've got to die. Amen? That if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity to gather together in your house, in your name, to study your word. And we pray, God, that you'd help us to learn how to run well and to run to win. God, we don't want to just be on the team. We don't want to just stagger across the finish line. We want to run, having done all, to stand. Lord, we want to finish the race with glory. Lord, would you bless us with your presence in our hearts, our minds. Would our thoughts be governed right now by your Holy Spirit as we study your word. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. And to the Apostle Paul beginning the study, you see we're all somewhere in the race. And when you think about this, he's, he's using terms here that are from athletics. And he begins to speak to us. And He's going to finish this thought about pressing on as we get down to verse 12 and 13 pushing ahead moving forward and so all of us are in this thing that we call the race of life the journey you you may have come today and you thought well you know i'm just kind of hanging in there no if you're a believer if you have received the grace gift if god's power is in you and it's your hope of glory if you're here today and you are saved you're in the race And you're in the race that God has made for you. You can't run my race, I can't run yours. We have to run our own race. And consequently, you better be studying your own part in your race. And you need to be working out and practicing to that end. You've got to be engaged in it. I don't know how many of you got to watch the Final Four games yesterday. I'm sitting there, I'm feeling sorry for Oklahoma. I mean, they got a beatdown put on them. Villanova by 40, whatever it was, 42 points, I think. It's an NCAA record for a loss. I guarantee you the poor guys from Oklahoma didn't get up in the morning and go, Man, I hope we get killed today. I just really want to be humiliated this afternoon on national television in front of like 40 million people. No, they didn't think that at all. They practiced hard. I guarantee you they did everything that every other team has ever done that makes it that far. They had progressed and and done all that they could to be the very best that they could be. You, You see, for us, we have to remember that sometimes in daily life you experience victories, and sometimes there's some setbacks, there's defeats, amen? Every once in a while, we all get a little bit of a beat down from the enemy, don't we? If you don't, uh, call me, I'll give you some of mine. You know, we have those days where it's just like, you know, sometimes you're really walking with the Lord, and you feel like you're in victory, and you got all these things going on, and you remember the great things God's doing, then all of a sudden, you just take a slap down. You're like, Lord, But you need to be practicing in that moment. Because that's not the end of the story for the believer. Amen? Amen. Death has been defeated. Amen? Amen. One day heaven. Amen? Amen. Remember who you are. But you're in a race. We're heading towards the finish line. But we are not yet there. And so Paul's running to win. He's practicing hard. And it takes effort. You know, if, you, if you're engaging in any type of athletic endeavor, you know, you don't walk into the gym on the first day and all of a sudden, you know, you're bench pressing 400 pounds and, you know, all of a sudden you get cut, you are ripped, you're ready, you know, people look at you and go, man, I wish I was like that. That comes with time in the gym, doesn't it? It comes with practice. It also comes with Pain. You know, that first day you're in there and you're working out, you go home and it's like, oh, I didn't even know I had muscles there. (laughs) Then you realize, oh, I don't have muscles there. That's why it hurts. (laughs) But you got to start working out. And as you start working out, you're going to bump into some things that are going to be problematic and painful. There's going to be things in your life you're going to go, man, I wish I could skip this part. But it's all part of what you need to do to get better. Can I tell you this? Your Christian life is exactly like that. You have a part to play in your walk with the Lord. It is not going to happen by osmosis. Just because you're dunked in Jesus doesn't mean you're going to necessarily end up being as good as you can possibly be. You are saved by grace. And that's not of yourself. It's a gift from God. But if you want to get better going forward to the end, you need to put some effort into your relationship with the Lord. You need to stay in God's Word. You need to pray. You need to seek the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to evangelize. You need to share your faith with others. You need to fellowship. You need to get in the race and run. Amen? <laughs> there are too many Christians that are sitting around waiting for their, re- their relationship with the Lord to mature. <laughs> the only thing that happens is it matures about like cheese matures. It starts to stink after a while. You're not going to get better you know. pretending that you're the Jordan flowing into the Dead Sea and it doesn't go anywhere. It gets very, very salty and stagnant. It needs to go somewhere. It needs to do something. You need to get busy. You need to get going. You see what Jesus was really speaking through the Apostle Paul in these words was, look, in verse 9 you see this phrase, to be found in him. Think about it for a second. To be found in him is also to be lost in him. And we think about it this way in, in, with our minds. You know, if, if you're a baseball fan, to get to go to Cooperstown and go to the Baseball Hall of Fame, and you wander around and you go through the glories of baseball. I, I know people who travel, who would go to Tempe, Arizona on their own? And yet people who love baseball about this time of year have spent like two months in Tempe. That's because there's like half of the major league teams are in Tempe. That's their place where they go for spring training. And so people go, and they get lost in baseball. And they, wonder, they think it's actually smart to buy a $75 hot dog. <laughs> and somehow it actually tastes much better than the dollar one at home. They're lost in the moment. Someone like me who loves backpacking, you, you send me to the Sierras, turn me loose. I go walking, I can sit in the middle, I just get lost in the middle of the beauty of the creation of God. I'm just close. You, you understand what I'm saying? I'm sitting there just, God, you are so good, look what you did. And I get lost in it. So when maybe you're a scuba diver. You travel to the Great Barrier Reef and off the coast of Australia, it's 1,200 miles long. You could dive from one end of Australia to the other and spend your life exploring those reefs. You'd never, you'd just get lost in all of the beauty that God has created in that reef. Maybe you're here and you love music, jazz music. And maybe you put your headphones on and you're just sitting there and you're you're in that zone to where you are just filled up to the point that you are ready to explode with what's going on inside your heart. You, you can hear every note, the subtleties. You're lost in it. To be found in Christ is to be lost in the wonder of Him. Amen? Just I, I, give me more, Lord. I'm going to go around that next rock. I'm going to dive in that next little spot. I'm going to listen to that next riff. I'm going to go. I don't even know why I like baseball cards, but I'm going to go look at the baseball card exhibit. You see, you're lost in Him. You're found that way. Where would you spend your lost day if you had one? Where would it be? You see, too many Christians are afraid and they're afraid principally because they don't want to fully transition from death to life. They're trying to hang on to a little bit of the old man. It's kind of like a backup plan. And I know I've talked to people, countless hundreds, maybe thousands of people, and I ask them simple questions. Well, what's holding you back? Why won't you get engaged? How come you will not work out for Jesus? Well, you know, I've got this boyfriend, I've got this girlfriend, I've got this career. It's the things that they would not count as loss to gain the excellency of Christ Jesus. It's the things they were unwilling to let go of. It was the old man that they wouldn't leave. And that's not a divorce, ladies. It's the old man that was you before you met Jesus. It's the old woman that was you before you met Jesus. It was that old nature that you used to feed every single day before you met Jesus. You see, as a Christian, you're transitioning from death to life. Amen? This is what you used to be, and praise God, I'm not what I used to be, but praise God, I'm going to where I ought to be. Amen? You, you see, we got to get it. It's a journey. It's a race, and it's work, and you need to work out at it. You need to put your effort in. you got to put your time you got to do work. As we say on the basketball court, you need to do work. Those NBA players don't, you know, you you don't get like Jamal Crawford at 90% at the free throw line by shooting two or three free throws a week. He shoots tens of thousands of them. Stands there for hours. The exact same flick of the finger and the wrist and the elbow is all balanced with the knee, the foot forward. You watch him. It's exactly four bounces. One exhale. (laughs) Nothing but net. That's because he worked out. You see, we need to put that kind of effort into our walk with the Lord. We need to be dead to the old us and alive to the new us. And keep going the right way. Too many Christians are trying to work out while they're jamming down a 12-pack of Twinkies. The old life, amen? Oh, it tasted good. That cream, I don't know what's in there. I still think it's crack. <laughs> it's Like you suck that stuff out, it's like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I have no idea what's in there. But too many Christians are like the Monday morning quarterback. they got all kinds of great ideas, but they aren't doing a thing. They're they're not out there on the field taking the bumps and bruises. They're just complaining about other people's bumps and bruises. You're you're not going to run well if all you're doing is whining about what everybody else isn't doing. Amen? You want to do better, get out and do better. Don't complain about what other people aren't doing. You go do better yourself. Give you a little secret. If you worry about you, you're going to have enough to worry about. Just saying. Took me a long time to figure that out, by the way. I figured out I could worry about me and I got a lifetime's worth of worry. Paul wanted to know Christ better. He wanted to know Christ fully. He wanted to know Christ personally. He wanted his relationship with God to be everything it could possibly be. He wanted to transition from death to life And let me tell you this, it's not easy. Winning is not easy. Whining is easy. Winning is not easy. Whining is easy. Complaining, grumbling, ask the Hebrew people. By the way, God said that about them. That they whined and grumbled, complained constantly. It didn't help. And it still doesn't help. It doesn't help us today, didn't help them then. We need to understand that winning is hard work. It takes enthusiasm. It it takes us putting in a hard day's work. It takes us doing what God's called us to do. Look at verse 12 now with me, if you would. Not that I've already attained. In other words, I am not what I once was, but I also am not what I will one day be. I'm somewhere in the middle I'm, along the, I'm in the race. I'm running. I'm halfway around the track. Maybe for me, I'm like in the home hundred. It's a 440, already done the two turns. I'm coming down. The, you know, I'm old enough to say that. Maybe I'm coming down the stretch a little bit. But I'm not home yet. I won't be home until I take my last breath here, my first one there. When that happens, then I'm going to be just like Jesus. But right now, I want to get a little bit more like Jesus than I am now. That should be the goal of every last one of us in here. Just get a little more like Jesus every day. Walk like Him, talk like Him, give like Him, serve like Him, be like Him, and put more effort into it. Notice how it goes on. Not that I've already attained or that I'm already perfected, but I press on. Look, I know I can do better. I'm here now. I want to be there later. Let me go there right now. Too many Christians get stuck. They hang on to the past. Notice the pers- the, the personal pronouns that are in these couple of verses, verses 12 and 13. Not that I've already attained, not that I am perfected. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me, another personal pronoun. Amen? You see, Paul's talking about it in the first person, not second person, not third person. He's not speaking ethereally. He's not laying out a spiritual concept. He's saying, look, I want to do this. Remember who he is. Perhaps the greatest of all the apostles. Certainly the one who wrote the most of the scriptures. And this is the guy that says, I'm not satisfied with where I am right now. I want to get better. Brethren, I do not count myself to as to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting, casting off, letting go of, eliminating from my memory those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You see, Paul's really given us his own spiritual legacy here, if you will. He's giving us a principle that he himself put into practice. And this is where it gets real for us as the body of Christ. And I just want to take these remaining minutes and kind of highlight what Paul's getting at here. You see, it's not easy We just simply need to make steady progress. We we need to go from what we were and head to where what we will one day fully be. That's what he's saying. Too many Christians have that mountaintop experience. They get saved. They have this immediate climb towards things being very different in their life. And not only do they plateau, but they start heading the other way. We call that backsliding. Amen? Too many Christians do that. Your life in Christ should look like a very strong upward curve. It starts out fairly flat as you're learning the things of the Lord, as you learn what it is to read, and you learn what it is to pray, and you begin to do those things and attend church and give and do all the things that Christians do. And then all of a sudden, as you start heading towards the end, it should be vertical takeoff, brothers and sisters, towards Jesus. Amen? A lot of Christians, it's kind of like, the you know, it's like up and down and up and down and they haven't got a clue where they're at with the Lord. Just make steady progress. Go the right way and go that way consistently. Probably there's not a person in here who's walked with the Lord for any length of time that does not have people in their life that right now, today, you don't know whether they even know the Lord or not because of this very thing there's no fruit in their life they started out you saw a little uptick and they they're back past where they were when they started steady climb and then VTOL vertical takeoff and then a landing in heaven amen hallelujah and so Paul uses This analogy, and I I believe that here in verses 12 and 13, he's actually referring probably to a Greek chariot race. And notice as he's saying, he's reaching forth. He uses all kinds of wonderful analogies. He uses the military, and he's already used accounting for us, and agriculture, and architecture, and he's now in athletics. He did a great job of illustrating the principles for us. Holy Spirit through him did that. And so he says, "I, I, I reach forth. Now, I don't know how many of you like the older movies. I personally do because I can do without the garbage that's in the new ones. But Ben-Hur, Charlton Heston, he's reaching forth on the reins of that chariot. and He's driving that. you, You can see him. It's like, I want to get just a little bit further ahead. And if you would just pull on the reins a little harder, maybe the horses would go faster. You've all seen it. We have Olympics coming this summer, Right? Now now what do we see in every single race that involves people running? It's like the victories are razor thin. They're two one-hundredths of a tenth of a second. And there it is, and it's almost always won by that last-minute effort of reaching out. Chest lean. You've seen it. You've ever watched Usain Bolt finish a race? What does he do right at the end? Boom, puts his chest out. Just like that, the victory secured. We need to think of those terms when we're thinking of our walks with the Lord. Are you reaching out? Are you stretching out? Are you really trying to win? Or are you just trying to get a participation medal? You know what I'm saying, don't you? How many of us have a box full of those trophies that says, I was alive you know what I'm you know what I'm talking about? You got them too. You showed up. And they gave you a trophy for showing up. You, do you feel very good about those trophies? I don't. I want one that says winner. <laughs> I want first place, not participation. I want to run to win. I want to be the best. When I get to the other end, I want to have so many crowns that I can't keep my head up. Now, I know this sounds a little prideful, but bear with me for a second. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to have something to take off of our head and throw at the feet of Jesus. I'd like to bury his feet with some crowns, okay? That's me, that's you, that's us as a church When South Bay comes home, I'd like to see Jesus. I need to get a bigger room. (laughs) Amen? Too many Christians who go, well, I ain't got a crown. Now, one crown's good. You're going to get one for grace and grace alone. You're going to get in. That's a participation trophy. (laughs) That you said yes comes by grace, through faith, and that's a free gift. It's because you showed up. Oh, man, let's do better than that. Amen? Make some steady progress. And along with that, add to it a little sanctified dissatisfaction. You like that? What that means is this. Let me translate my language for you. Don't be satisfied with where you are right now. Get wholly unsatisfied that you can always do better. How about that? Some sanctified dissatisfaction. Some that says, I love the fact that Jesus saved me, but I want to prove it by what I'm doing from here on out. And I know I can do better. You see, praise God, I am not what I used to be. But I also am not what I'm going to be. So help me be better at what I'm going to be, not what I used to be. Amen? Amen? Too many Christians are like, well, you know, I'm going to make it. And you talk to them. They'll even tell you things like that. Well, I know I'm going to heaven. If that makes you happy, I would just ask you to say, did Jesus die so that you could be content or so that you could glorify him? You want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or whew, you made it. I want them to say, well done. I want them to need steel-toed shoes for the crowns. You see, we need to get some sanctified dissatisfaction. We need to make that steady progress. We're heading home, folks. And with everything that's going on in our world, might be today. I, I don't know when those bowls of wrath are going to be filled up to where the Lord says enough's enough. But I imagine they're getting added to. I know Donald Trump's got one of them himself. It's like, I think that's one of the seven bowls. I'm not sure. There's a an award for the most toes and mouth. He's got it. I'm sorry. I'm just sick of the whole thing, quite frankly. Amen. One day, we're going to be heading home. Because this world's not our home. You know that, right? Just passing through. I know where my treasures are, and they're up there in the blue with Jesus. But you see, if we look at it this way and we really say, look, I, I don't want to be here. But while I'm here, I want to do well at being here. So a little dissatisfied with where I'm at. Say, look, I'm looking forward to what the Lord's going to do. I haven't attained it yet, but I'm going that way. Too many people, and as we wrap this up, are dwelling in the past. Notice how Paul addresses it. He says, beloved, I don't consider it to that I've made it on my own. The, the New Revised Standard Version says, I haven't made it on my own. I didn't make it on my own. Jesus saved me. This, I, I'm absolutely positive that grace has saved Jeff Gill. So I didn't make it on my own. But this one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. Family of God, if you're here today and you are clinging to the past, that is an unbearable weight that will anchor you and you will never run the race. You need to take look. If you're gonna, if you're a long distance runner, I mean, back in the '70s, before we had all of this stuff that we have now, I mean, we literally used to cut parts of our shoes out so that they would be lighter. Now they just make shoes that don't weigh anything. We cut off the legs of our already ridiculously short shorts. You remember the '70s should be forgotten for short length, okay? (laughs) No man should ever be seen in those. <laughs> but we trim them to make them shorter, thinking that a couple of ounces would make us faster. You have to forget what is behind. Look, you need to let your behind go. Amen? <laughs> the enemy's going to remind you of your behind, where you used to be. You need to remind him of where he's going to be. <laughs> Amen? You see, too often we're clinging to the things of the past. It's almost like we have some hope. Well, this, uh, this Christian thing doesn't quite work out. I'll just keep hanging on to this. And I've talked to so many people. They're hanging on to old relationships. They're hanging on to old ways of life. They're hanging on to, you know, all kinds of material things. They're hanging on to the past. They won't let go of it. They won't cut off whatever needs to be cut off so that they can run quicker. Don't hang on to the past. It's keeping you from running. Let it go. As Paul said, whatever it is, I count it, I put it in the lost column. It might even be a good thing, but I put it in the lost column so that I can attain what Christ has for me. If we'll do that, only the Lord knows what great things God could do with us. Only the Lord knows. As we let go of the past and we look forward to the future, we're able to run even quicker than today. As we work out spiritually our own salvation with fear and trembling, as we put effort in, we get gold out the other side. As we do that, family, we are an unbelievable force for righteousness in this world. There are thousands of us that attend this church. Thousands. Imagine what we could do for the kingdom if we were all trying to win. Every one of us. You run your race. I'll run mine. I'll help you train. You help me train. And let's go win. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that all these things, in all of this, you have made us more than conquerors through Him who loves us. Father, we thank you that we're alive in Christ. We thank you for saving us. And now, Lord, let us endeavor to train hard. Help us to be people of prayer and service and love and devotion and fellowship. Lord, help us to give us and help all that we are to speak the name of Jesus. Everything that we do, all that we possess. Pray that we'd release the baggage of the past. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that's clinging, the enemy has them confounded with their past. God, would you break that bondage right now in Jesus' name. Set them free. Unlink them. Lord, from that weight that's carrying them backwards. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each of us, and it's good. It is a future. It is a hope. Lord Jesus, we praise your name. Thank you for the grace of the cross that saved us. And now may we put the same kind of effort into our lives that you put into the sacrifice you made for us. We love you. We praise you. We bless you. And God's people all said, Amen. Amen. Amen.